Daddy episode 8 of Anime for Trash Dwellers. In this episode, we're going to be talking about 100 Sleeping Princes and the Kingdom of Dreams and Voice of Fox. Alrighty, so 100 Sleeping Princes and the Kingdom of Dreams. The basic synopsis I got for this series before I watched it was that it was a harem with 100 princes and I'm like, gee whiz, this is my type of show. It's an isekai about a businessman, except for once it's a cute woman and not a mediocre 25-year-old man. And they are actually a princess from this kingdom that got taken over by the evil people who steal people's dreams. I think it's supposed to be sleeping dreams as opposed to, I dream of leaving my shitty business stuff and heading to a fantasy world where I'm fucking awesome and surrounded by a harem dream. Because apparently, if they attack it, it makes you fall asleep. Even though when we go to this magic world, people are awake and living their everyday lives. During this, the 100 princes attack it, and it ended up locked away in their rings, and now business lady's job is to collect and unlock these rings. I have to say, this whole idea of quests and video game type scenarios aren't really my thing, but if I got to unlock 100 hot bishy princes, Jesus, I am in. This is all explained to us by the helpful mascot character called Navi. Hey! Hey, listen! But it does wear a little suit, so that's already an improvement. It's also voiced by Deku, because when you need an anime character with an excessive amount of knowledge on something kind of pointless to the extent that it's kind of creepy, he's your man! Okay, first step. She unlocks one prince with red hair. Then they find another cute RPG looking bishy with a prince ring, but Navi informs us there's no prince inside. Hmm, hmm, there you go, like anime. This concept is fairly basic. It's kind of obvious he's one of the 100 princes. Then the evil No Dream Squad come and attack them and the guards, and the business lady manages to help give the princes a power boost to fight off anti-dream people with the power of thoughts and prayers. They bash up the anti-dream thingy, and straight afterwards, this guard's family runs out to him, being so grateful that he's safe. But where the fuck did they come from? This fight happened near the prison or somewhere. There wasn't like a crowd of people surrounding them. Where did this family come from? Do they just follow this guard around at his Joe all day, just praying he doesn't get injured? Right, it's the end of the first episode, and out of the 100 princes we were promised, we have two. I think this series is only going to be about 13 episodes long, so if they want to unlock all these princes, I should probably hop to it. Episode 2, on their way to another kingdom. And just to remind you that this is in fact an isekai, in case you somehow managed to forgot, our protagonist states, Well, in video games, it is better to have more people in your party. They meet a strange vigilante, and at the mention of the royal family of this shitty kingdom, a big dramatic dun-dun of piano music plays, and the vigilante looks all shocked, and they still don't pick up on the fact that this guy's obviously the prince of said kingdom. They are invited to the Love's Day Ball, the ye olde fantasy isekai world equivalent of Valentine's Day. You could have just called it Valentine's Day. Not everything has to be fantasyified. And they meet this kingdom's prince. During the night, Protag is hypnotized by a butterfly to follow it and sees the queen cursing the prince. And she runs to him and discovers he's not the prince. He's not even the handsomely named Prince Gary, but the even more handsomely named Gilbert. 
The only feature of his that is different from the actual prince is his one gold eye. And now that business lady's seen this eye, she can't leave the kingdom. But, I mean, this all sounds a bit impractical. The only way he hides his golden ivies is with an eye patch, which he somehow thought would completely stop anyone from discovering it ever. Like, I mean, what if someone pulls it off? What if the strap snaps? What if he's getting to a bit of vigorous with a pot of lager and he spills it on his eye patch? There are so many ways this whole eye patch thing could go wrong and he'd be exposed to everyone. Okay, end of episode two. And even though we have found another prince, he hasn't been unlocked, so therefore we are still up to two princes. Only 98 more to go. Episode three. Not prince is a good guy. He just not the prince. And the prince has black hair and he has grey hair, yet he still thinks the eye is what's gonna make people realise he ain't the prince. They bash the fuck out of the queen, Protagor prays the evil magic dream thing away, and black-haired prince joins the party and we finish the episode now with three of the whole 100 princes. Episode 4. It is revealed that in this isekai RPG land, there is a pirate kingdom. Yarmy hearts, he's fucking pirates! Best, best RPG ever. They're invited to a dance aboard a pirate ship. And there are, get this, five princes. There we go. That's the kind of numbers we need to get to 100. And considering they're all just there, aka not locked away in rings, I don't know why the fuck they spent a good five minutes explaining this weird ring unlocking concept in the first episode. There are two pirate princes and three fishy princes who are all in really effeminate gear, one practically in drag, which I guess is a good way to get around the whole merman look ridiculous concept. One of the pirate princes is voiced by Ren from Utapri, and when they casted him, they were like, yeah, just do the thing you do in Utapri. Like, as soon as he sees business lady protag, he like, hot your summer, and grabs her by the waist. All he's missing is his long, luscious, orange mullet, just to perfectly top off the whole seedy factor of that character. I thought the whole butterfly hypnotizing people in their sleep was going to be a one-off thing, but apparently not. End of that episode, our prince number is over double what it was before. Now at a whopping eight. Come on guys, keep this open, we might just pull this off. Episode 5. There's a nasty storm and one of the pirate princes admits he can't get over how he accidentally killed a whole bunch of his crew and has therefore never renovated the ship so that he can keep remembering them. What kind of lousy pirate is he that most of his crew haven't already died in some kind of pirate battle or something? They're in the room that the crewmates died in and I'm assuming her heavy furniture hit the crewmates and that there wasn't a leak that caused them to drown since his room isn't filled to the brim with water and the ship hasn't already sunk as a result. It's supposed to be spooky, but they're doing a really bad job of it because they keep showing glamour shots of food on the table. And when being possessed by a ghost, RPG Prince still says his cutesy tabernay catchphrase. There's a big storm. They all survive. Pirate Prince finally holds a vigil for these crewmates that he probably should have done right after they died. And they eat nice food. End of episode 5. And that prince train has really slowed down since last ep. No more new princes. We've only got 8. Episode 6. They go to the land of ice and snow. 
they tell the princess there that they've been traveling to kill the Dream Eaters, despite the fact that I don't think we've seen them do this for like three to four episodes. Ice Kingdom has three princes, and the middle prince has middle child syndrome and is rebelling by kinda roaming around the kingdom, then usually coming home, so I don't know why this is treated as a big issue. The reason he's doing it is because last year at the festival where they stopped the snow from falling, because since it doesn't naturally happen here, they have to artificially induce it, which apparently doesn't completely fuck its ecosystem. He's stuffed up, and at no point has his older brother thought, Jeez, maybe that's why he's being an angst. And contemplate that maybe bringing this up in conversation just once wouldn't be a bad idea. Okay, at the end of this episode, we now have 11 princes. Woohoo, bring on them double digits. Episode 7, angst prince and business lady get lost and she uses more thoughts and prayers to power him up. They get captured by the stereotypical I'm the evil kinky cross-dresser character who's somehow been transforming into all those weird hypnotizing butterflies they keep seeing. Protag uses thoughts and prayers a second time and she is down for the count because if she could bless people non-stop then she wouldn't be useless and she'd have no need for 100 princes. Ah, uselessness that is somewhat plot-based. I have to admit, for someone who enjoys playing JRPGs, she isn't too pissed about the fact that she hasn't once wielded an actual useful weapon or been part of any of the battles. Uh, they get rescued, they do the snow snare ceremony, yeah, done. Na Navi wore a little beanie, cute. Still 11 princes at what may be just over halfway point for this show. I'm not feeling too good about reaching 100. Episode 8, C. The opening to this episode featured all these new Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland themed princes and I was so excited. And you'll never guess what the episode was actually about. One of the princes gains back some of his memory and we spend the whole episode seeing him come to terms with his boring ass backstory and get to see flashbacks. Yay! Basically, RPG prince's dad died and he went to live with the evil royal advisor slash butler slash uncle slash honestly, I'm not super sure, who then stole his magic prince ring. And... We'll just call him Mr. Evil, has been living with the kinky butterfly hypnotizing man from last episode. Even though the opening tempted us with new princes, there were no new princes in this episode. Therefore, we still only have 11 out of our promised 100 princes. Episode 9, we are in Wondertown, or city, or whatever it's called, and it's just like Alice in Wonderland, except there's roads and skyscrapers, because which is easier to draw on the cheap? A magical, artistically pleasing 18th century style forest, or a generic as fuck city? We meet Alice in Wonderland princes. So yeah, I was very wrong about them being Wizard of Oz princes. Alice in Wonderland themed characters are pretty common in anime, and though the designs of these guys were still nice, they were some of the lazier ones I've seen. Like, the Queen of Hearts doesn't even have a crown. He looking like the Halloween special Todoroki vampire. For some reason, the March Hare just has straw coming out from here, there, and everywhere, and raggedy patch clothing. Like, he looks like a homeless hillbilly. What were the character designers thinking? At least the caterpillar isn't in his usual cultural appropriation style outfit. They just gave him green hair and a pipe, because that's how detailed these characters are. 
Oh yeah. Marche offers to take business lady to the casino and she's like, oh, I've only played video games in a casino. Just reminding you that she does actually have a personality hidden somewhere in her bland heroine slash heroine master palette of a personality she's been given, which is solely she likes video games and that's it. It's one dimensional, but that's still more so than a lot of other heroines in these harem shows. Right, Prince Crown is now up to 18 people, yeah! Episode 10, everyone finally realizes that business girl isn't Alice. Yes, she was mistaken for being Alice at some point. Alice being the chick that it kinda implies they all wanna bang. Business lady gets her ear nipped by the Cheshire Cat and it's the first form of physical affection this woman has had in this harem series, like come on! Apparently Kinkboy can create the evil things with a magical girl wand. How is he a bad guy? Okay, Prince Count is still at 18. I think there's like two episodes left, so... <sighs> Episode 11. This was all about the boring, shitty backstory plot that I haven't really been paying attention to. Therefore, I was kind of lost with what was going on. After RPG Prince's dad died, his right-hand man, how villain, eventually attempts suicide from the guilt of not being able to protect the king. But instead of dying, little kink boy appears from him as an accumulation of his guilt. Oh yeah, and there was a road to the moon, which no one was weirded out by. We're still on only 18 princes, and there is only one episode left. Shit fam, can they do it? Episode 12, the big showdown episode. Butler man, thing, whatever, fights that prince because he thinks he'd be a shit king slash is super gay for his dad and has been trying to bring him back to life through his dreams, which hasn't been working for him for the last 10 or so years. But goddamn, he's gonna keep trying. And the red-headed prince shouts, no, you can become a great king. Really? You have much intel on that? I mean, this guy hasn't shown any example of leadership, and before you met him, he was a traveling con man, so... They fight, and everyone freaks out when Kinkboy becomes one with the evil butler man, even though he was originally from the evil butler man. That's not gonna change much. They keep fighting, then business Lady Chun thoughts and prayers them, and RPG Prince kills the man who gave her his daddy-o. As he's dying, he changes his ways, which... I mean, you're dead anyway, you could have saved us painful airtime by just dying when you were still evil. But he's most looking forward to dying to meeting the old king again, dirty perv. Prince becomes the new king, and the other prince and business lady walk off the edge of the moon path, doing a will keep pushing on ending. So, this anime is called 100 Princes in the Kingdom of Dreams, and all the article I read about it said that there would be 100 princes, and lo and behold, we reached 18. 18! This is just false advertising. Should have been called the 18 princes of the Kingdom of Sleep and a couple of 70 plus others who will be briefly mentioned from time to time. I feel like with this anime, all this stuff with the princes was fun enough, but they spent way too much time on the dull plot that no one cares about. Jeez, in this instance, Bishy's over plot, damn it. Alrighty, and that was 100 princes in the Kingdom of Dreams, and now we are moving on to Voice of Fox. Idol anime time! Voice of Fox, right. 
I'm not entirely too sure what's going on either, and frankly, I don't think I ever will. The show did start with the lines, sexy, moto sexy, so it was already off to a good start. It's set in China. I didn't think they had many idol type celebrities and more the traditional pop star type celebrities, but I could be wrong, I mean, Lehan basically the beebs over there. There's this tall, handsome, blonde idol, but actually has what they refer to in this anime, a ghost singer. This chick watches him perform, and trust me, she ain't getting Millie vanillied. This ghost singer, our voice of Fox, if you will, is our protag, and he has a Zuko scar and is super adorable, so I don't know why he just, you know, doesn't perform live, and why they get this chum to instead, who is obviously evil since he treats Fox-chan like shit and boasts on TV how only those with talent get to be famous. He is so certain this hoax will never be revealed, isn't he? And also, when we hear this Fox guy perform, it's kind of off the whole thing he's just a little bit off pitch and can't reach those high notes for shit like is he really any better than Millie Vanilli at singing apparently Fox Chan makes so little money from singing for a living that he has multiple part-time jobs including working at a shitty restaurant and doing flower deliveries what else do you do cleaning deep frying at Macca's bi-weekly dog walking jobs but he also releases music anonymously online as well. Where he's reasonably popular, so I don't understand why he has this second singing job which makes him no money when he already has another reasonably successful musical venture. Fox Chun lives with his cute Hikamori boy. If he never leaves the house, then you shouldn't be looking this good. Anyway, the plot is introduced at the end of the episode when someone online reveals that they know Fox-chan is the voice of Millie. Okay, episode 2. It is discovered that Fox-chan's daddy is dead and his ma is in a coma and his cute roommate is his brother. And that's why he has so many random jobs. We see meetings between him and the CEO for the music company he's ghosting for and he's always so evil you can join my company but only if you sing for him come you you know who's more popular out of the two of you twirls mustache polo fox chan is at school and he's freaking out about that guy online he's stalking him and he does the falls asleep in class has a nightmare wakes up screaming class laughs at him except like his scream was that intense do these insensitive high schoolers not realize a breakdown when they see one and the chick who ain't getting fooled by the Millie Vanilli also happens to 1. Go to the same school as Fox Chan. 2. Is in the same class as Fox Chan. And 3. Is childhood friends with Fox Chan. The teacher lets her off for arriving to school late because of her hard time idling and the bitches are like, how come she gets special treatment? Which sounds immature, but considering Fox-chan still got in trouble for sleeping in class when his teacher knows he has to work too, it is bullshit. Fox-chan mucking around with street smart childhood friend-chan and he grabs her hand and he goes, whoops, better not start a scandal with an idol. This does not make sense. China, like the West, is obsessed 
and in love with celebrities' dating lives. Like, Luhan broke Weibo when he announced he was dating an actress. And he still has his multi-million dollar career. Meanwhile, in South Korea, multi-million making idol Ahyuna was dating, which resulted in her company announcing that they were going to fire her without actually letting her know. And her boy, Edon, also got kicked out of the group he was in and the company as well. See the difference? Oh yeah. There's a flashback to a meeting about the Rising Star singing competition. And the evil CEO is like, Now you better win this event or else. <laughs> Strokes fluffy white cat. Episode 3, such a stressful episode. Fox Chun had to once again sneak into the venue, this time through his fourth. If he makes money as an anonymous Foxman musician online, then his fifth part-time job delivering sound gear to the venue. The thing about this event is it's the Rising Star of China Award. But the one guy who has won it three years in a row, as if he still isn't super famous yet even after winning this prize three times and entering again this year. Like, is this award really such a big deal? The security guards see Fox Chan, so he has to go in disguise, and of course his main disguise is to dress up as a cute girl, whereupon he immediately has a sleazy producer come up to him and be like, I'll make you a star! See? Even this producer thinks he's cute, why doesn't he perform on stage? At this point in time, he still hasn't made it to the sound team, Millie Vanilli is stalling, but then he's forced to perform and I felt so sorry and worried for him, even though he's a massive sham. But then the stage's electricity goes off? This is never explained. A nice coincidence, I guess. And Fox Trump performs on the dark stage. You know, for the amount of trouble it was for this kid to smuggle himself into the venue, you'd think the record company would just say he's stuff and bring him to these events so that he didn't almost have their top star exposed and lose millions of dollars and the trust in their customers and have their shares go down in value until they file for bankruptcy and are forced to fold as a business. you think just chucking Fox Chan in the minivan for these events would be worth it. Episode 4 starts with Fox Chan having a nightmare where it's revealed he's the singer and he wears his fox mask and it falls off and the audience responds with Ew, come on buddy, you ain't even ugly. No one's gonna be saying that at the side of you. Apparently in the singing competition they're in now has tournaments. That's right, a tournament arc in an idol anime. Trust me, it's nowhere near as exciting as it sounds. And during Fox Chan's performance, his voice gets wobbly because he's mentally getting molested by Skyfox, the evil Twitter user who knows he's full of shit. Who is a weird fox demon human thing. At the end of the performance, childhood friend Chan looks at Millie Vanilli and goes, pathetic. Then, one of my burning questions from last week was answered. One of the tech guys for Millie Manili turned off the power in last week's episode. And this week he popped, like, acid or something in the other performer's drinks so that he'd lose? Jesus! There wasn't a safer way of sabotaging him? I mean, he didn't cough up blood and was talking fine after the performance. So I guess it wasn't the type of acid that he that had painfully melted away his vocal cords or anything. After this, Fox Chan remembers how childhood friend Chan said, you gotta perform well at this level. And during this reminisce, he remembers seeing Milo Vanilli practice his dancing and thinks, yeah, they're all working so hard. No, Fox Chan. Millie Vanilli doesn't sing, remember? In fact, he doesn't even dance in this performance. He's not trying at all. 
Episode 5, Sky Stalker Fox Creepy Guy Like, you will see me over the next three days, and if you don't figure out who I am, I'll expose you to the world. So he's struggling. During this time, he's like, here, neat brother, I got you some tea. See, if either one of them was a little sister, then it'd be a cute handmade meal. But instead, it's just a bag of Maccas. Like, gee, thanks, brah. Could've ordered this myself over Uber Eats, but whatever. Childhood friend-chan, who's this sky cunt, it pretty obvious, was talking in an interview about how much she loves Fox's music and his little indie site blew up. She gives him a lift, waiting for him to say something anything to her about helping him become famous and he doesn't so she kicks him out of the car i'm really glad to see you spooked his music because you thought it deserved the attention or because you wanted to do a nice deed for your bro instead of something selfish like doing it for the thank you and gratitude penis fox chan was getting the lift to the tv station Charlotte french instead just dropped him off in the park which he is surprisingly not phased by considering how much fucking stress he was put under when he turned up late before. Fox-chan tells his classmate bro who also does sound familiar vanilla, why does this music company hire so many teenagers? About Sky and he's like, man, I can't help you unless they're logged on. I mean, I don't know much. And by much I mean anything about hacking. But I'm pretty certain the person doesn't have to be logged in for you to hack them. Episode 6, Fox-chan talking to Sky-chan and trying to get info out of them. And his hacker friend helps via sending a cute photo of Fox-chan and Drag. And he's like, where did you get that? Like, mate, you're posing and all in this photo. You know where he got it from. And Sky like, lol, yes, this helped. Hacker friend put a virus in the picture or attached a virus to the photo. I think that's a real life hacker thing you can do. So that when their phones get within 10 meters or something of one another, they buzz. So there's a cute scene of him running around the studio and interrupting film shoots and the news and he somehow isn't grabbed by a security guard and chucked the fuck out of the building. His phone goes off near childhood French chan and he's like, it's her! And he goes up to her and goes, it's you! And she doesn't react. Making you think it was her all along. But then you find out that she knew he was ghost singing and he's the fox man. Making the good point of I can tell it's your voice in both recordings. Which apparently no one else has. Like Millie Vanilli would have insane fangirls. He would have realised he has the same voice as his fox man indie singer. The fact that she is in Sky and not once looks confused during the It was you confrontation is just a little bit unrealistic. So I was wrong in my prediction. Who would have thought? Millie Vanilli performs and the real Sky put a camera where Fox Chan's singing and he recorded him telling childhood French Chan about how he can't be outed as the real Millie Vanilli and played that too. How evil. I have no idea who it is even though in the preview for the next episode it shows his neat brother not only out of his room but also in the actual studio. So is it him? Which also means he was happy to receive a photo of his brother in a maid outfit. Weird. Episode 7. Mita is in a frenzy about the ghost singer. People tween on Twitter like, is this even legal? Which, I mean, it is, but it isn't. But is that really your first thought when all of this occurred? Is it legal? And the feeling that the anime gives it is that most people are blaming Fox Chan and not Millie Vanilli. Why? Like, all these people are mobbing his house but not Millie Vanilli's? And Childhood Friend Chan's in trouble too because she was in the video that was showed. Girl didn't even speak in it and apparently she deep in shit too. But everyone's just fine with Millie Vanilli? Really? 
from what evil CEO says, he planned all of this so that with Foxshun unable to pay back damages, he has to work for them for the rest of his life. Which, to be honest, sounds like a better plan than we'll have a ghost singer, no one will ever find out, I can guarantee it. But still, there's the issue of if Foxshun becomes unable to write good songs anymore, then this whole gamble was for nothing. I don't think this is how real businessmen do business. And guess who just made a boo-boo? Apparently, just when all of this controversy occurs, his mum just happens to... They never explained. The doc's explanation was, she barely made it, which doesn't give much or any detail about what actually happened. We'll say she almost fucking died again. That's as much detail as we can get from all of this. And his little bro isn't at the studio like I thought was shown in the teaser, but in the hospital. And he is once again really, really mad for no real reason. You ruin everything! The fuck is that supposed to mean? Sure, Fox Chan didn't get there as soon as he should have, but she was okay, you got to see her. Or is this in relation to the ghost singing thing that he did to financially support his family? Are you saying his comatose mama somehow realised he done fucked up on live TV and went into shock as a result, even though she is in a coma and can't see or hear anything? So his bro definitely is in Sky. I was very wrong about this. So's everyone. The fact that I can't figure out who Sky is in this super cheap and basic anime is frustrating. Then one of the singers from the contest says that the competition's still on and the singer going up against him will be Cliffhanger! Oh no! Now I have to wait until next week to find out who it is even though the only way to progress the story is to have Fox Charm perform. Episode 8, oh yeah, and it is Fox-chan. I totally forgot that they didn't announce it last week, because it, it was so fucking obvious. Fox-chan gets kidnapped in a sack. Come on, guys, we know that doesn't work. Barat has already proved that. And it's by his supposed friend. And that one producer who kept wanting to hire him. I think I mentioned him once when Fox-chan was in drag. So the producer guy is working for Sky. And his friend was contacted by Star Sky when he was hacking him. Oh yeah, his friend disguised himself as I'm a hacker, and hackers live in the darkness, in shadows. Like this sounds like it's pulled straight out of my immortal. And Sky sends Fox Chan a message saying, "You have to write a new song, and it has to be your best, and most passionate one yet." Oh God, I'm getting into pre-flashbacks. And then we cut to Millie Vanilli fucking trashing his room as if he just found out Lisa was cheating. But why is it him and not me? Cause it's a singing competition. And which went out of the tour you can sing. And he's having a mental argument with himself. But they were always cheering for me. Like he know them fans there cause he pretty. And then it's flashbacking to when the CEO signed him on and little eager beaver Millie Vanilli's like, Yeah, I can't wait. I'll work really hard on my dancing and start taking singing lessons. And the evil CEO's like, nah. I think that's the thing, ghosting is aren't a thing in the idol industry, but being famous without having much talent certainly is. If he were just in a K-pop group, they'd have someone else do all the singing, so all he'd have to do is dance, which he's good at, and then have the occasional line of singing or rapping and it'd all be good. Heck, there are idols out there who have no talents, they just look hot and... Nonsense. That's sort of how it works with a lot of idol groups, where it's like you can do one thing, but if you can't do the other, it's fine. Like SM Entertainment and rapping. I mean, they're, I mean, they're trying to improve their rapping with their rappers, but pretty much most of the time, it's like you can dance. That's great. 
You, you can't do much else? You can wrap a couple of lines, that's fine. And that's how it works for Bung Jung boys. You can dance, that's great. Since you can't do much else, you can sing. If you've ever heard a live recording of them singing whilst dancing, yeah, they're not as bad when they're just standing still, but specifically singing whilst dancing, oh my Jesus Christ, it's awful. It is literally proof that no matter what little talent people have, anyone can be famous. See, considering this is the world we live in now, is there really any need for a ghost singer when the general public really don't seem to care if you can sing live. Episode 9, it starts with Super Popstar Man being like, You have to compete against me in the finals. Your voice is amazing. Which is a bit of a stretch. Adequate at pop songs better describes Fox Chan's voice. We finally get the details of the depressing backstory. Usually we see this type of thing straight away because it often affects the character's motivation, situation, personality. But I guess this anime didn't think it was important. So we're getting it right now at the arse end of the show. Mom, Dad, Fox-chan, and maybe little bro were driving and arguing with Fox-chan that he can't be a singer. And during this argument, his dad turns to face him, taking his eyes completely off the road and gets into a car accident. I know this sort of setup is to look like it was, this wasn't really his fault. But seriously, that's just bad parenting and stupid, stupid driving. Then when he gets out of the rubble, a random chunk of metal comes flying from the car and comically bangs him in the face. This is supposed to be the depressing backstory of how he got the burn on his face and it looking like it's straight out of a Looney Tunes show. Then he states that his relatives took their dad's inheritance. I don't even know if that's illegal. Who leaves their kids unsupervised and with no proper income? Basically, what I'm trying to say is if these relatives either didn't steal the money or took in the brothers whilst their mum was in a coma, none of this stupid anime would have happened. Millie Vanilli's dad is the evil president. This would have added a lot more to the series if they added this info in straight away, but whatever. And Millie feeling guilty somehow since he was a bastard child. He left his mum all alone, except his mum was an abusive alcoholic, like he had every right to leave her. How had child services not already taken him out of his mum's custody? Episode 10, Childhood's idol group is having a concert and she's doing a solo with the big famous piano man. But then he's sick, so childhood friend Chan like, my friend with no proper musical credential should play in place of this world famous pianist. And everyone objects and I think they're supposed to be seen as being bad. But it comes across as them actually, you know, caring about the quality of their concert over nepotism. And they perform, and of course it's great, slash the piano stuff wasn't exactly at world-class pianist level of difficulty. During the song, we have a flashback of the two of them hanging out at childhood friend Shan's holiday home, and they're all dressed up like they're about to go to a wedding. Like, the clothing isn't explained at all. And childhood friend Shan starts crying because a baby bird got away? Baby bird needs to be free! So Fox-chan starts playing the piano and singing and she all good again. After the performance, when people find out it was Fox-chan on the piano, there's all these hate commenters coming in and hackers like me and my hacker friends. Yes, he does actually refer to them as hacker friends. We'll take down some of the negative comments. You mean censor them. That's the word for that, censor them, which is bad. 
episode 11. Millie Vanilli goes on TV and says that it was Fox Chan's idea to do the ghost singing and that he was purposely revealed his identity to gain publicity, to which the subtitlers put Fox Chan's response as, that's bullshit. Which, if this were an Australian TV show, that would be 100% believable. But since it's a Chinese one, I kinda doubt that. I love how plausible this story is, except that their idols were little to no control over any decisions related to their career in the slightest, but hey, everyone buys it! I also like how when Millie Vanilli describes Fox Chan's behaviour as binding him, there's a nice visual of him tied up in red threads whilst Fox Chan stands behind him with an evil look on his face. One of the idol group members, the evil red idol girl from childhood friend Chan's group, blackmails her with a photo of her getting a hug from Fox Chan. She plays this up like it's a photo of her having sex. Girl, it's a hug. No one will believe your affair bullshit. She blackmails her to give the solo debut to her to a childhood friend Chan responds, You do realise you have to go through management for that. Not me. See? This girl knows she has no power with her music. The fact is, hasn't everyone else realised this? Episode 12! Fox Chan about to go to the concert, but then his mum dying again, so he has to run to the People's Hospital. Loving these remnants of communist times living through to this day and age to be immortalised in this here shitty anime. His bro like, if he got mum into a car accident due to his singing, just to not turn up at the biggest performance of your career and therefore ruining your singing career makes you a right old cunt. So he turns up, they both perform during Fox Chan's performance, which is a little flat here or there, but okay. But isn't exactly a show-stopping performance. Some lady is crying and I'm like, bitch, please. Afterwards, he's so happy that everyone got to actually see him perform in person, which is great because since he's so young, this will be the highlight of his life and when he realises that in his 20s he'll have a drug addiction-induced breakdown. Other superstar man wins. Fox Chan just having a depressing monologue on a scenic-looking rooftop, like, out loud? And his management team and the other singer man just casually appear there? Like, okay? Then other singer man, like, I'm Sky. Why? Why are you Sky? I was thinking maybe he'd, you know, say how he knew Fox Chan and so much about Fox Chan's personal life, like when he was at school and his exact location and stuff, but no, he just is Sky. No more questions. Well, no wonder I didn't pick up on who it was. I knew he looked similar to Sky, but like the same person I thought the fuck this 27 year old performer even know about this high school's child, but apparently not. And then you never see Red Bitch get skewered over for her evil plan to go solo. It ended as if... As if... It might have a sequel! Good God, no! Here's the thing, I really enjoyed watching this show, but fucking hated writing about it. I think because there was so much dumb shit that happened, like, the anime would put in place plot twists. Which, apart from Fox Chan causing his parents' car accident and childhood friend Chan knowing he was Millie Vanilli, had no proper foreshadowing or reason to occur. It's like they just pulled shit out of their ass. And that was an episode 8 of Anime for Trash Trailers. Thanks for listening. Insufferable Wave account on Instagram and Tumblr. Yeah, see ya.